0: Welcome to the Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge podcast. I'm your host, John Carlin, on the board of Virginia's Blue Ridge. And more importantly, I have lived here in Roanoke and the surrounding region for more than three decades here in Virginia's Blue Ridge. In fact, I've raised all three of my sons here and they're all married and my grandkids and all of us live here. And so uh, my family enjoys the amenities that we'll be talking about here on the Visit VBR podcast. And I just love to uh, sort of extol the the virtues of this beautiful place that we live and increasingly a a place where people want to come visit. So specifically, uh, when we talk about Virginia's Blue Ridge, I'm talking about the city of Roanoke, and then Roanoke County, the city of Salem, Botetourt, Franklin Counties, uh, the town of Vinton, which is technically within Roanoke County, but we just have a lot going on around here. And uh, we're, we're nestled in the Blue Ridge Mountains in the western part of the state of Virginia. Roanoke is the biggest city in the western half of the state. We have the Blue Ridge Parkway. It passes right through the region. In fact, it's about three-tenths of a mile from where I'm sitting right now in my home studio. And if you come to the area, we call it a Metro Mountain Mix, Metro Mountain Adventure, if you will, that uh, you'll find Virginia's Blue Ridge. Uh, we are America's East Coast mountain biking capital, and I'm a mountain biker. I've been out riding my bike at Carvin's Cove recently. This is one of the best destination mountain bike riding areas in the nation, and uh, we'll be talking about that in upcoming podcast. But we talk about this Metro Mountain Mix. Think of it as sort of a, it's an outdoor playground where hiking and bicycling and fishing and kayaking all abound, you know, uh, uh, there's zip lining, um, all abound in the midst of this small city that's easy to navigate. And we have museums like the famous O. Winston Link Museum of uh, of Railroading and the Transportation Museum of Virginia, to name a couple. And, and I will mention right now the Taubman Museum of Art, but that will be the entire topic of today's discussion is the Taubman. So I'll be come back to that in just a second. But Couple other attractions that, that Roanoke is becoming more and more famous for. We have a pinball museum located at center in the square and you can go in there for a fee and pay and play pinball all day on I don't even know, dozens of pinball machines, and and that has become super popular. Of course, we have uh, our share of brew pubs. There's shopping on the downtown market, great restaurants. Also at Center in the Square, a kid's museum called Kids Square. And of course, we're in the midst of the COVID epidemic, so I'm just going to say right now, check before you go, because... All this stuff is subject to whatever the governor is saying and whatever common sense is dictating. So uh check before you go. But under normal times, these are these are great attractions and places that you'll want to visit with your family. Um speaking of which, uh Roanoke hosts tons of of sports tournaments. People come here from all over the United States to play softball, volleyball, soccer, basketball, uh, fields and gyms galore. And we are set up to uh, to receive lots of people and lots of families. And we have lots of, uh, honestly, hotel space that's sort of designed with that family visitor in mind. And then I, I, will, I will mention the Explore Park, which is just off the Blue Ridge Parkway. That's where you'll find Treetop Quest. That's the zip lines and the, and the, the Obstacle courses, and there's everything there from beginners to more advanced people. And, you know, uh, I, I, I'm uh, more in the beginner area. Uh, you get me out there on those moving ropes, and, and I'm not as comfortable as I would have been 20 or 30 years ago. But there's a lot going on at Explore Park. There are cabins you can stay in, uh, yurts, uh, and a growing network of mountain bike trails there. But today I want to go back to the museums because the crown jewel, absolutely, of Roanoke culture is the Todman Museum of Art. And today I'll be talking with Cindy Peterson. She is the museum's executive director. Now, let me just tell you quickly, the Taubman itself, the building, is beautiful. Designed by the late architect Randall Stout, it features a 77-foot glass peak in the atrium. So when you walk in, you, you look up and you see that peak, and the architect, Randall Stout, had said that that was supposed to be uh, reflective of the Roanoke Star, which is this huge, if you're visiting from outside the area, this huge neon star which sits on top of Mill Mountain and looks out over the valley. In and of itself is the overlook there of the star is something that almost every visitor has to go to and typically does. It's very easy to get to. But but when you walk into the Taubman, you see that 77-foot glass peak. And when you look at it from the outside, it's just unbelievable. And you have the, the undulating roof line, which reflects the Blue Ridge Mountains, uh, but all in a very modernistic way. And we are we are so lucky to have something this beautiful and interesting as a part of downtown Roanoke. So uh, let me tell you a little bit more about the museum before we get into the interview today. There are 11 galleries. They're all part of the Fralin Center for American Art, and then they originate 15 to 20 uh, exhibitions every year. So you have your permanent show, and then you're, you're cycling the art through, so there's always something new to look at. But featured artists in the past have ranged from John James Audubon, Sally Mann, and Norman Rockwell, and that's just to name a few. Uh, the museum's also home, as I mentioned, to the permanent collection, uh, which would include artists such as Thomas uh, Coperthwaite Eakins. I hope I'm saying that right. Got to get up to speed a little bit on my art here. Uh, but uh, Thomas Eakins, John Singer Sargent, Purvis Young, John Cage, and that again, that is just to name a few. And I will mention that the Tobin Museum of Art, in case you're wondering, is accredited by the American Alliance of Museums. So coming up, we're gonna hear all about the exhibits and all about the Taubman with its executive director, Cindy Peterson. Welcome back to the Visit VBR podcast, and joining me now is Cindy Peterson, who is the Executive Director of the Tobman Museum of Art, which is one of the main attractions in Roanoke. Uh, and certainly, uh, if you drive into town, it's going to be the first thing you notice. There's, there's no doubt about that because of its wonderful building. Cindy, thank you for joining us on the podcast.
1: Thank you, John. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah. Now, the Taubman uh, is in uh, this beautiful um, building downtown, but it hasn't always been there. So before, uh, if people are listening to this and they're wondering about the Taubman, it goes back a long time before the building, doesn't it?
1: It does. It was founded and incorporated in 1951. So we'll be celebrating 75 years in 2026. And we're already preparing for that with numerous oral histories, because in our community, there's so many people that have been, even over generations, been involved in the museum and its development, its growth, its impact from that 1951 and its days at Cherry Hill to the days that were at Center in the Square. And then, you know, how the collection has grown uh, over time, and especially from the gifts from the uh, Horse Charitable Frayland Trust, as well as our Aikens Collection and um, Judith Lieber. And so those are some of the, you know, the prime uh, examples of the collection where visitors will travel in to, to see that John Singer sergeant or the Norman Rockwell. And, and as you mentioned, the architecture stands mm-hmm. out within our community and Randall Stout was the architect. And um, we opened our doors here at our location uh, downtown in 2008 and it is a destination. It's a, it's a gem um, architecturally speaking. It was named one of the best design museums in the U.S. by Architectural Digest. So you know, that there's definitely, when, when people come into town, they, they ask that question is what is that building? And it is indeed the Tama Museum of Art. And we open our doors to, to all in, in terms of, we have free general admission, uh, generously sponsored by AEP Foundation, which really makes um, the art that we have in our galleries accessible?
0: I can remember walking around the parking lot where the museum is now with Randall Stout and him talking about his vision for this building. When it was, it, 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 the funding was starting to become available and Randall had drawn the, the uh, you know, what he thought the building was going to look like. And we were doing a story on it for channel 10 back in the day. And uh, of course it was controversial, but it's, I think it's just gorgeous. And, and it's supposed to look like uh, the mountains, right? It's, it's an artist's interpretation of the mountains that surround us here in Roanoke.
1: That is correct. And wonderful that you were able to spend some time with Randall Stout. We're still in connection with his family. And um, he unfortunately passed a number of years ago, but left behind a legacy in terms of his architectural talent. Um, and you, you're correct. He spent a lot of time in in the Blue Ridge. So in, in our mountains, um, taking hikes and over to the Cascades. So you'll see those elements uh, woven into the building. He Talked about, um, you know, looking from the inside to the outside, the outside to the inside, and there's many places that you can stand within our structure where you can see that. You can see the zinc paneling coming in. You can see how we framed our landmarks uh, of the of the region of the Roanoke Star and the the Agency Coffee as you look. Uh, from our second floor or going up into the balcony on the third floor and not only seeing the panoramic view of the Roanoke Valley, but also how he emulated the natural bridge as you take a step back. But I think one of my favorite um, viewpoints is the perspective as you're taking a walk downtown and you go over to the glass bridge and you take a look at the building. You go over to visit Virginia's Blue Ridge uh, to the tourism office and you look through those windows or to center in the square to the top of the rooftop, and you have a different perspective, and you can see the rolling hills that um, the the building emulates from the very top.
0: Yeah, uh, I I just think it's it's an amazing addition to downtown, and and that so the building itself is is a, is a piece of art, uh, no doubt about that. And but now you, I want to go back real quick because um, you did say that admission is free, right? um but normed. you you're you're open friday and saturday 10 to 5 and then sunday 12 to 5 but no weekdays
1: that's our current um, schedule in terms of due to COVID redu- reduction in hours uh, and you know being able to, to keep the building and the people and everybody safe in terms of, of cleaning and um, opening our doors, which we opened back our doors in, in July, and those hours um, have really facilitated for the community Uh, the weekend timing uh, as as they're out and about and being able to enjoy art, be inspired and have enough space. So the museum does offer social distancing within our galleries and um, within our in our atrium and balcony area in order to continue to enjoy the permanent collection, as well as the numerous exhibitions that we, we currently have on view.
0: Yeah, and we're and we'll be getting to all those uh, exhibitions. So, because I, I I know that's really the meat of what people come to to see and to talk about. But uh, if somebody is in say Seattle and they're listening to this podcast and they're coming to Roanoke, I want them to understand the whole history of the of the museum. So that's why we're we're sort of backing into this a little bit. But I do have to ask you about COVID because it has been so difficult, I'm sure for uh, for you as it has been for all museums, to continue to do what you do because it without people being able to to come through the doors or, or or only on a limited basis and what you're displaying is art how have you been able to do that and and survive and thrive to to a certain extent in we're in early 2021 20, now but all through
1: 2020 right and and you know, as we Followed regulations and closed our doors and then you know, made all the precautions to reopen, really pivoting to the virtual programming, but also listening to what the community needs were and continue to be to meet the community where they are to bring art to them in in new and creative innovative ways. Um, as you said yes yeah, so with the reduction in in hours uh, so that virtual programming has expanded actually our reach across the nation and internationally as we have visited artists studios and collectors homes had conversations with curators uh, and many might not and we might not have had access to that and been able to share so broadly. So that's been definitely a positive in terms of uh, broader reach and different types of um, interactions that we've had, but also partnerships. Uh, Arts and culture are strong in the, the Roanoke Valley, and so that collaborative spirit and uh, continues, and you know, especially as we bridge into 2021. But you know, everything from having readings from the library um, in our galleries connected to the art, uh, to Opera Rono coming in and you know, picking a, a work of art and that expression through through voice and music, and um, the Southwest Virginia Ballet uh, doing numerous types of interactions where you know, bringing work. Of, of art to life in new ways and then sharing that with our community virtually and even even new dance moves. So, uh, you know, that's the kind of the, the parts and pieces where we lean on each other and be able to collaborate in in, in new ways. And I think, you know, one of the, the things that we are very proud of, of being able to Reach the community through art kits and art activities. And we just hit, John, we just hit our 50th, uh, 50,000 that we have been able to deliver to retirement centers, to um, children and families, uh, through Feeding um, America, Southwest Virginia, um, Rescue Mission, Boys and Girls Club, and the hospital. So, you know, that interaction in terms of um, everything from activities using sculpty clay to which you know is hands-on when you can't touch anything you, you you can do something within that art world uh and always connecting it back to what is on view or what's in our our collection even if you can't come on site so that's been very successful and that continues the need um, you know and that was the question of what 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 is the need and that was the answer back from many of the organizations that I just mentioned of being able to include an an interactive art activity and uh, with with food and um, with the interaction that the human services organizations and the impact that they are right. making in our
0: community. Right. So, so what you would do is you put together a little kit and then you sent that along with the food deliveries. So you that had a, a, a mechanism to deliver it, but then... The kids didn't just get the food, they, they had clay or, or, or something else in the art kit that they could do at home alone um, and, and participate in art in some way.
1: That is correct, and and you know also art cards that went out to um, the hospital workers as a thank you to you know at the one point in time when no visitors were allowed to the patients and um, our continued work with our retirement centers um, and you know bringing it to them in order to continue uh, that interaction art brings hope and inspiration and comfort and so through that new way we've been able to continue that um, with our doors closed and now with our, our doors open. Uh, and, you know, and the other part, when families come into the museum, our high-touch area, art venture is closed uh, due to COVID, but we've pivoted to make and take bags. So take and make bags. So kind of like a cake mix box. So everything's in the bag, ready to go. And you're just adding your, your own pencil or scissor or glue stick that you might may, uh, need. And it's everything from a maybe a toy that you're making to an inspired, uh, puppet or you know, something else that you know out of out of materials recycled um, that you can take home with you and for different age groups everything from we collaborate with the library for the uh, baby roanoke book and having activities uh, related to shape and color to um, you know the um, elementary school children so that's been you know a wonderful to continue that creativity and that hands-on um, where you can um, take and make a, an art activity with you
0: well, that's interesting, and and so it sounds like we're talking about well, in fact, we are talking about arts and crafts time um, amidst a backdrop of a very sophisticated museum with a national, uh, regional certainly, and national following uh, with with very very sophisticated um, artworks. So I I guess you do what you needed to do with the doors closed to stay relevant. But I follow you, for instance, on Instagram. And I see the beautiful works of art. And I'm one of these people right now that, yes, I'm going to work, but I haven't been doing a lot of stuff out in public. I haven't been going to museums, haven't been doing a lot of the leisure things that I would normally do. And I'm sure that's true for most people, but I see these posts on Instagram and I'm certainly compelled to find out more about what's the story behind that piece of art. What is, you know, who is this artist? Uh, What would it look like to see, multiple pieces from that artist all at once. And and that's what I would be able to see if I was able to come there. So let's talk a little bit about what you currently have on view and what people can expect, say, through uh, the first quarter, first half of 2021.
1: Yeah. And you're right. So that that social media in terms of being, you know, continuing to be connected to the museum, to art and, you know, is is something that we're grateful that, that you know, is during this, this time frame for all of us. And, you know, with COVID for art museums came also uh, the need to extend exhibitions, to create new exhibitions. A lot of them couldn't travel in. And so as you can imagine, the the museum took a look at our exhibition schedule and it changed completely as we had to close our doors and um, not be able to ship things in or out. And so the three exhibitions that, you know, I'd love to highlight that are on view now are are ones that, you know, as, as COVID hit, we needed to revamp And so building on relationships and also from our permanent collection and from collectors in the area that was possible. Uh, Right now we have on view until February 7th, a very anxious feeling, Voices of Unrest in the American Experience, 20 years of the Beth Rudin de Woody collection, which is a fabulous uh, exhibition and Beth Rudin de Woody is a um, well, known collector throughout the nation and internationally. And we've worked with her on our Pan-African works of art in 2018. So when we reached out and talked to Beth about Kind of a, a, an opportunity to fast forward an idea that we had been talking about. Uh, she, was, she was all in in terms of that generosity for loaning works from her collection that you know, are over 10,000. So working with her team and our team and really focusing on you know, the widespread feelings of anxiety in contemporary art which um, tied in well to the timing and um, the need in terms of of, um, being able to showcase that. And it's really a reference of both collective and personal anxieties. And the works in the exhibition highlight intersectional voices sharing their descent, joy, and transcendence. It amplifies the voices of Latinx and Latin American artists living and working in the United States and all from the past 20 years of her collection. And that was an opportunity again, John, to reach out to our community. So we worked with community members over uh, 15 that um, have, uh, are from the Latinx and Latin American community with the uh, first language of, of Spanish. To come in, meet the co-curators, uh, to have the first uh, preview of the exhibition, and pick a work of art that really spoke to them, and then read the label in Spanish as well as um, t- you know give their give their voice of of interpretation, and that's part of our audio tour in Spanish. It is the first time, and we will continue that in terms of reaching again the community of our labels and our text uh, didactic text. For this exhibition, but also we continue with our permanent collection in Spanish. Um, and that dovetailed with an opportunity for interns this summer from Virginia Tech uh, virtually that assisted with those translations, along with uh, Dr. Eldo Stanko Downey, who oversaw that um, with the museum. So exciting developments in, in terms of that exhibition.
0: Yeah, and that um, you got some, some support. Uh, behind the scenes financially for that exhibit did you not
1: yes so that exhibition there's um support that is provided by the dorothea l um leonhardt casulo foundations and also from the roanoke arts commission from the city of roanoke um which is very generous in terms of making that possible
0: uh, outstanding. I was uh, I was on that commission for uh, for a couple of years back in the day. Um, so uh, and, and they and that commission really does great work of getting works of art in front of the public here here in Roanoke. Now, you've got another one called From Spain to Virginia, uh, the art and times of Pierre Dara. Uh, tell me a little bit about that.
1: So this was one, again, through COVID is, is you know, everything juggled. And so I took a look back and mined our permanent collection where the Tommy Museum of Art has over 2000 works in the collection. And one thing that stood out to me was that we had, 46 works of Pierre Doura, uh, generously donated by his daughter Martha, uh, who I, you know gave a call to as well and she's in, in her 90s in Oregon. And you know, really thought about the connections regionally. Uh, as well, in order to really showcase the work, and of course, reaching out uh, for a guest curator. So, it all came together, being able to show works from our permanent collection, work with the Georgia Museum of Art, and uh, the, at, uh, in at the University of Georgia with their curator and director, uh, who are specialists in in this um, particular artist, as well as borrowing from Lynchburg College and. From from um, Holland's University, so that you know that regional part, but but also that feel. So you go into that gallery; it is very meditative. You see, you see works of portraits, of landscape, landscape from Spain and from Virginia. And he was then he relocated into after he married into, um in the nineteen forties, then to Rockbridge baths and, and, and you know, not far from here. And so you'll see the Virginia landscape and then also a number of still lives. So that seemed like a really wonderful fit to to tie into our region and provide. Um, and we haven't shown those all together, um, you know, in the time frame since they've been generously donated to the collection in 2003. So it was a great opportunity all around. And we look forward to actually having the, 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 University of Georgia curator and director visit the museum in March, and we'll be doing a lot of virtual again and small gatherings on on site. And this exhibition is on view until March fourteenth.
0: March fourteenth. Okay, great. And and by the way, if people, you know, it, it, I would never uh, endeavor to describe any of these pieces of artwork because I I <laughs> I wouldn't want to um, fall flat on my face in that attempt. Uh, but I do I do see on your website that all of these pieces, uh, you know, at least many of these pieces are um, are available to at least look at if people are wondering what we're talking about on the website. And of course, we'll have links to to all of that in the show notes here with the uh, Visit VBR podcast, where we're talking with Cindy Peterson, who's the executive director of the Topman Museum of Art, and we're going over uh, what you could see if you walked through the doors here in early 2021. Uh, So we've talked about two. The third is 16th century Flemish uh, tapestry. Tell me about that. That doesn't sound like something you would expect to see in a small city in the mountains of Western Virginia.
1: And that's what I love about it. So, you know, being able to bring a 16th century, and you really have to think about that. It's 15, around approximately 1570. And so it is a huge Flemish tap- tapestry um, in, in length, you know, 11 feet by 12 feet Um, And of course, all hand woven, Um, it is conserved. Uh, We have images in terms of that conservation process and, and cleaning process. Um, to share with the public in, in the gallery, but also, you know, that will be online and, you know, very generous from Dan and Stephanie Hodges here in our area. So a collector um, and, you know, he approached us and, and, you know, really wanted to share with the community, but also, you know, the aspect of, of continual learning for our students. And so this was part of how during COVID we, uh, we, continued to offer internships for our colleges and universities in this area and beyond. And that was possible by doing virtual um, integration and having specific projects available. And so this was one of those really interesting and unique. Like you said, you would not expect to be able to study and um, see up close virtually uh, a 16th century Flemish tapestry and so we had actually 24 students that participated from universities near and far in this uh, in this research project and they looked at everything from the symbolism to the maker to um, the background of the conservation and the cleaning and that is you know that Text and that that research is represented then in our in our gallery and it will be up for um, it's it just went on view last week and it will be on view uh, well into October which is exciting as you know we continue to reopen and more people are able to come out to see a tapestry that you you know might not experience except if you were in Europe or in a right. metropolitan city where they had a collection of tapestries.
0: Now, what does is, what is this tapestry depict?
1: So it is really depicting um, the opening scene of the Iliad, an epic poem written by the ancient Greek writer Homer in 800 BCE. And I must say, I've learned a lot as well, um, including, you know, where the signature of the maker goes, um, and of course, the number of people that um, it took to create these types of tapestries. And we have a great connection. Again, in the arts and culture range and organizations, we have uh, a sister city in saint Lo France, and they have a, um, and I was able to, to visit uh, a number of years ago and uh, speak with their director there at the museum, and they have a whole room of tapestry. So another connection, even though we're far away through our organizations like the Roanoke Valley sister cities.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I can't imagine how careful you need to be with something that was made in the 1500s. I, <laughs> and, and
1: you're right. You're right. Um, I mean, you know, that just even the transportation and the careful rolling out of that. And the, the interns virtually were able actually to see that we filmed, we did a live zoom with them so they could see that process and that care it takes. And then in the, how to hang it as well in terms of, um, you know, making sure that everything is secure, but also safe.
0: Great. Great. Now, um, one of the things that I've been been watching through Visit VBR is the research that um, people are doing on tourism around the country, and they are telling us at the at Visit VBR, which is the you know Convention mm-hmm. and Visitors Bureau, that towards uh, the third quarter of 2021, once the vaccine becomes established, they really think that things are are going to start to ramp up, and the fourth quarter could even look like uh, pre 2020 times. I think that's still to be determined. That sounds very daunting considering the numbers we're hearing about COVID right now, but you have some great things coming up for people uh, who will be visiting in the spring and in the summer. You want to talk a little bit about what people might be able to see then?
1: Would love to. And, and, And you're right. So... Um, as we continue you know, to open up and that, that prediction, not only we're looking at our sidewalk art show and it's 63rd year, which many are familiar with uh, in our region, and where we have over a hundred artists from across the United States that are showing a juried show and um, media ranging from jewelry to photography and painting to sculpture at a variety of price points. And and that's another part of our history, John, As it, you know, when I, I'm always amazed, as I say, you know, we're in our 63rd year um, and because it grew from eight artists up by the library to where it, it happens around the museum on multiple streets. Um, over a two day time frame with over a hundred artists. And so that's looking at, you know, we're planning for June 5th and 6th um, as our, our, you know, downtown debut of, of the sidewalk art show, but also, you know, having a backup plan of a rescheduled date for August or a turn to virtual if needed. So those are the, those are the things that you continue to be flexible and show resilience and, and care um, as you move forward. But a lot of exciting exhibitions that will be opening up in the near future. Uh, we have central to their lives, Southern women artists in the Johnson collection, which I'd love to talk a little bit about because it does show the variety of women artists in, in the South and the American South from the end of the 19th century to the early 1960s. And it will be shown in, in two galleries um, and very excited about being able to share with the community in terms of you know those decade-long time frame of of, of artists that um, you know are not part of our permanent collection, but that you know from the Johnson collection and their generosity, um, and will be the exclusive in Virginia to show I, that. I,
0: I know one of the things about women artists from that time is that they faced a great deal of difficulty and some obstacles that they had to overcome because. It took the world a while to figure out that women could do art too.
1: that is that is correct. So you know that time frame of um, you know the social cu- cultural and political roles and how they were defined and interpreted. man, uh, you know being able to show that as a collective, uh, I think is one of the Johnson collections, really their mission in terms of sharing. So that's exciting to be able to to illuminate that history and the cultures of the South.
0: Yeah, and so that goes on display um, in February, right? And then uh, yeah. through mid-June, do I have my dates correct there?
1: That is, that is correct. And the exhibition support was been provided by Member One Federal Credit Union here in our community to make that possible.
0: Okay. And then um, uh, looking at, at a list here of what you've got projected, visions of place, complex geographies and contemporary Israeli art. Tell me about that.
1: So this is an exhibition that's been in the works for a number of years actually. And and that was one that we've been able to keep the original dates because it was far enough into the, into the future. So it'll be opening on March 6th and it'll also run till the end of June particularly excited about this exhibition um, it really has a breadth in terms of different backgrounds of artists um, in, in in religious backgrounds in terms of Arab artists who are Muslim uh, Christian Druze uh, artists that are Jewish artists that are women represented and um, you know the audience, giving the audience the first time a wide selection of working artists in the contemporary Israeli art in the, in the United States. And, and there's a number of focuses in the exhibition um, in terms of geography and place, but also from destruction to healing. And I think that is, you know, an important point in this in this time frame. Um, and again, a number of collaborations going on, um, along with um, you know, working with the temple and the synagogue, uh, and programming that can happen. Also, film series, um, both, you know, both virtually and um, you know, on site, depending on the timing but also community dialogue. Uh, I'm working with the Virginia Center for Inclusive Communities to be able to come to Roanoke in June and in that exhibition, Uh, um, facilitate a community conversation as we look at conflict resolution. Uh, And not only that part, but also offering to the leaders in our human services and our arts and culture organizations um, and and staff as appropriate in terms of a train-the-trainer facilitation for leading community dialogues and difficult uh, um, you know, situations in terms of like this exhibition will be able to be the backdrop for. So that's exciting because it does involve uh, cross-sectional in terms of um, groups in our community, but also looking ahead to, to be able to provide a toolbox for community dialogue going forward.
0: Don't you think that's what art is really all about? It's more than a picture on the wall. It, it reaches out, it touches people, and then it creates this dialogue that you're talking about, which can be real learning, teaching, aha moment experiences.
1: Exactly. And, Stina, you know, that's what keeps me excited every day. Um, I know also, you know, the, the team here and our, and our board and volunteers, because it is that part of really impact that is long lasting. And different examples that I've given from meeting the community with Art kits. Um, Meeting the community in the retirement area and, and or this example with community dialogue in uh, an exhibition.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. Now, uh, another uh, exhibit that you have coming is photography from the Whitney Museum of American Art. And I love photography. I got to tell you, of course, there was a debate early on as, as to whether a photographer was an artist. But of course, a photographer is an artist. Right.
1: Exactly. And and photography is very popular in terms of museum goers. Uh, we will be having an Ansel Adams that will open up in April from our partnership with the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts. So that'll be coming into our into into our galleries soon. And then it'll continue that photography experience with the Vantage Points Contemporary Photography from the Whitney Museum of Art, which I love the Whitney. And it's wonderful to be able to uh, have a partnership with them and, you know, looking at future exhibitions as well. And this exhibition is drawn from their permanent collection of approximately 20 artists that we'll have on view. And, you know, many that you might be familiar with in terms of Gregory Crutzen, William Eggleston, uh, to Lorna Simpson, Andy Warhol, Carrie Mae Weems, and the, the list goes on. And again, it's back to, you know, what can we Um, Do in our community in terms of that photography and the backdrop of uh, this collection, which is uh, immense from from the Whitney. And one of the things that we'll be working on is for high school students having a photography uh, workshop for a week in the summer and having being able to see both the Ansel Adams and the vantage point uh, contemporary photography. Um, and then sharing that again. So we'll be offering professional development uh, of virtual workshops all based on photography for our community educators and activity directors across um, again, across arts and culture and across human services in order to really continue to build skill set capacity. And maybe we've been fortunate enough to receive a grant from Art Bridges Foundation which supports not only this exhibition, but also these types of community projects, um, which continues to, like I said, build capacity.
0: Yeah, photography is so interesting. I, I heard a statistic not too long ago that said that most of the photographs that have ever been taken in the history of the world have been taken in the last year, because everybody has a (laughs) <laughs> An iPhone now, right? It used to be you had to walk around with a camera and take a picture, and you know. But now, and wait, <laughs> you know, people people hold up their cell phone and they take a picture and they post it on social media, and so uh, everybody fancies themselves a photographer anymore. But I think when you talk about photography as art and how how these folks that you mentioned start to push the limits um, and make a statement with their work, that's really what we're talking about when we talk about photography as art, right?
1: That's, that's exactly right.
0: Yeah. Okay. So um, what else do we have that people could look forward to? You mentioned the, the art show. Uh, of course, you know, there used to be so many functions inside the Tubman. and I've been to weddings there and galas and fundraisers and you name it. When does all that come back?
1: Well, and like you said, you know, we, we don't know. So, um, you know, in terms of attendance across the U S for art museums, it ranges between 30 to 50% of normal attendance. And we're within that range as we have those reduced hours. And, and, Hopefully in that third and fourth quarter, um, you know, those types of functions will come back, but we are ramping up for fashion and fashion will take over the museum beginning this summer. But actually earlier, we'll have a pop-up exhibition by Mindy Lamb, who is in the Maryland area, and that will be in the May time frame. And we're reimagining our, you know, like you said, we have fundraising types of things, we usually have an annual women's um, luncheon that, you know, there's 400 participants that come every year to the museum, and it's connected to an exhibition with a keynote speaker, a lovely lunch, and, of course, that fundraising aspect for our educational programming. And with limited gathering, we've, um, we'll have be doing a virtual uh, with Mindy Lamb, who specializes in accessories, um, usually eight she actually takes um, metal, um, gold, and silver, and really like a weaving of different brooches and um, even gowns, and so that will be part of our pop-up exhibition. Where she has come in, come a couple of weeks ago to be inspired by what's on view, and then her creations will be next to one of our permanent works of art um, on view, along with a, a special creation of a gown out of um, the metal. So, and the, the flowers and that process that she'll be showing. So that'll start and kick off our fashion takeover uh, and it'll continue with, um, we're working with power stylist to the stars, Michaela Erlinger. And so we're working on all the details right now. And um, another exhibition is called Tech Couture, where it will show uh, the the future of fashion in terms of uh, 3D printed uh, garments and prosthetics that are artfully designed and um, also jewelry. So that's kind of a, a, a sneak peek into that. But there's more details to come and that'll start rolling with a pop up in May, and then it'll open with Tech Couture at the end of August, and um, more details to come.
0: Wow, that's awesome! So, you know, we talk about Roanoke. Can we talk about this uh, Metro Mountain? mix metro mountain adventure are the terms that are thrown around but the idea is is that people come here uh sometimes because of the mountains and also because roanoke's the largest city in the western half of the the state of virginia and and a big big piece of the cultural aspect of this city is right there under your roof so when people come here let's say uh they're here for the ironman triathlon or they're here for the Blue Ridge Marathon, or they're here to ride their mountain bike at Carvin's Cove. Um, and maybe part of the family is interested in participating and the rest of the family is looking for something to do. What would you say to them to, to make them feel like the Todman is where they should spend some hours of their time while they're in the city?
1: So I, I would say that the the doors are open and welcoming them to our Star City, um, Roanoke, and the Tommy Museum of Art offers that perspective of the historical and also tied to um, the region that and tied to the nature uh, from the architectural point of view. So I think that that's a that's a, a, you know a. Um, a selling point in itself, as well as, you know, going up into the balcony on third to see uh, the Roanoke uh, Valley and um, the the apex that mimics the Roanoke star, but there's something for everyone at the museum. And that, you know, no matter what time of year you come, when you walk into our atrium and, you know, you can hear the visitor just, just breathe in and just with a sigh because of the, the beauty, if it's the sunlight coming in, um, that beautiful cascade of stairs uh, that you see, that architectural design. And we actually have the drawings up in our boardroom on the third floor that you talked about when you met Randall Stout, um, where he did the sketches and really looked at that inside to outside. But there is something for everyone. We have Art Venture, which is our interactive space um, in COVID time, a take and make bag. But that's for you know the ages from toddler to uh, middle school. And uh, we have a cafe, Morning Brew Coffee Company that is part of the museum, as well as our museum shop. And the exhibitions uh, range from that historical 19th century American art up until the contemporary, and many times with international artists and um, European art. So the, the range is there uh, for someone walking into the building and being able to enjoy a, a moment uh, with art as that is inspiring, but also, um, you know, seeing community. In terms of there is on most days, you'll see that collaborative art spirit um, that is happening at the museum and, um, you know, within 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 our area downtown as people are walking around.
0: Um, no, because you've really you've, you've got this art that's worthy of traveling to see, but you're also reaching out and touching people right here in the community who, who live with the museum every day. You've kind of found that perfect mix.
1: I agree, and that—that that is, you know, um, showing the the care and the connectedness to one another, but and the connectedness to our community that is so important uh, on a daily basis, but especially during these critical times where you know we really have shown that pulling together and that resilience together.
0: Great. Anything else you want to add, Cindy?
1: I encourage, you know, if you're in the Roanoke area, uh, come to the Taubman Museum of Art and our downtown area. There's so much to enjoy. And we have free general admission. So you can walk in anytime and enjoy uh, the exhibitions, the programming, and get to know a little bit about our community. So thank you, John.
0: All right. Cindy Peterson from the Taubman Museum of Art. Thank you for joining us on the VBR podcast. Thank you. So once again, thanks to Cindy Peterson for taking her time to tell us about the Tobman Museum of Art. You know, it occurs to me, I'm, I'm talking to people as if they're from outside the area and they're going to come here to visit. But obviously, everything I said about Roanoke, you already know. But there's a lot about the Taubman that you probably don't know. So if you live in the region and you haven't visited the Taubman or you're you're wondering what's up, I hope that uh, that this interview and this podcast is uh, is helpful to you. Um, but if you do come to Roanoke, you really should set aside some time to go see the museum and I'm recording this in January of 2021 and the weather is cold and wintry and if you're looking for something to do uh, then you definitely you know want to want to put the Todman on your list of things to do and I will mention that we are in the midst of COVID right now the uh, immunizations are starting to go out but it's been a little bit slow and I would say that you know at this point uh, COVID is still a, a big threat so uh, I will mention just quickly, face coverings are mandatory, all staff and all guests, five years and older. Guest numbers are limited in all spaces to prevent gatherings, so that's good, so you can feel safe if you go. Um, all the group tours and classes, activities that are temporarily postponed, the high-touch areas like Art Venture and the education classrooms are still closed. Uh, and there are clearly marked entry exit and walking paths on the doors and the floors. and that that helps to keep that social distancing in place. So you can go, you can feel safe and but it's still open, it's still doable and and you can and you can still go and and check out everything that we've talked about today. And I will tell you in case you're not aware that um, entry into the Tobman is free, thanks in part to a grant from AEP. so there's no admission charge when you go because that's all been underwritten. So you can take in everything we've talked about today for free. A couple of other notes. If you're looking for the ultimate guide to what's going on here in Virginia's Blue Ridge, please check out visitvbr.com and all of this will be in the show notes we have blogs and maps for cycling hikes to waterfalls lists of restaurants directions for the cheers trail which will guide you through our brew pubs wineries distilleries you can download an app and and get a discount at different places uh and if you uh, check in at enough places then uh you get a prize from visit vbr um so that all the information for that will be here, including uh, hotel stays like the Hotel Roanoke, and many of our hotels do offer bike wash stations. If you're coming here to ride your bicycle, and if you do something fun, and something fun can be going to a brew pub, it could be going to going on a hike, it can be uh, visiting the Todman or the Star. And you post a picture on your social media. Just put on there the hashtag trailsetter hashtag trailsetter because that's how we want people to uh, we want you to let people know that you're having fun here in Virginia's Blue Ridge. So thanks again to Cindy Peterson for being the uh, for being here on uh, Virginia's VBR podcast. And we'll have another podcast coming out soon. And I hope to see you here in Virginia's Blue Ridge.